Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Football Media Podcast on the team of John O'Shea's platform. I'm John McKenzie and across the course of the new season, I'm going to be bringing you a weekly podcast that seeks to open up the often murky underworld of the football media. Each episode will bring you an interview with an expert in as many diverse areas within the industry as possible. We've got writers, authors, artists, journalists, broadcasters, event coordinators, lawyers, commentators. If you can name it, we've got it. This week, I'm speaking to Josh Schneiderweiler, a podcast producer who runs the This Football Life podcast. In the course of the conversation, we discuss the history of football podcasting in the UK, examine how it has changed in recent years, and look at how consumption will change going into the future. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes in order to help us gain exposure, and if you're a social media person, you can follow us on Twitter at T-O-J-O-S underscore, or alternatively, you can like us on Facebook at A Team of John O'Shea's. Next week, we will be talking to Dr. Dan Parnell about academia's place in the football media before moving on to talk about his research into sporting directors at football clubs. So make sure you tune in then. But before that, it's Josh Schneiderweiler and the phenomenon of football podcasting. Enjoy. I'm joined today by Josh Schneiderweiler from the podcast This Football Life, podcast which you're mainly doing interviews with people in the football world, maybe a little bit on the periphery, right? Yeah, football interviews with like agents, scouts, you know, owners, coaches, really anyone in the industry. I mean, we've had stadium designers in the past, like people on the periphery that don't necessarily get their voice heard and have an interesting perspective on the game. Mm. So I like to start off by setting the stage for, for the people who are talking. So tell us a little bit about how you got into podcasting in the first place. Um, well, like many people, I'm just like a massive sports fan and like, you know, wanted a way to consume, uh, more sports content. Um, and so I started listening to some sports content, but it wasn't until uh, like, I'd say 2014 that I actually like really got into podcast. Um, my buddy, I was, it was July 4th, uh, Independence Day and we were driving down from LA to San Diego and my buddy put on this podcast called the Tim Ferriss show, which is like one of the top 10 to 15 podcasts uh, in the world. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. He was like interviewing uh, Rick Rubin, who's this like music producer. And I just, I just loved it. And so we played that like for like an hour and a half. And I was like, Oh, let me check this guy out. Listen to a bunch of his shit. And then progressively started to listen to more and more and more podcasts uh, outside the world of uh, sports. And then once you kind of got a little addicted, I guess mm-hmm. you just listen to even more of sports. And yeah, so that's my experience with uh, podcasting, listening. And I guess it, it, it's uh, different now that I actually do it. But um, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. an interesting question in and of itself. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that later. But let's, let's start off by talking about what your own podcast listening habits now like what what is it that you do you how many podcasts do you listen to a week and and what sort of areas are you listening in so i i i'm like subscribed to like 40 different podcasts but i don't listen to that many on a weekly basis i probably listen about like 10 different shows on a weekly basis there's like the you know five or six that like i i hit every week um because just like they're so quality like uh the totally football show it's so cliche but like (laughs) you know it's got pace and like because they have a rotating cast of writers who always get some different opinions. And then like, uh, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan. So I listen to a Liverpool podcast and yeah, but like definitely a lot outside of sports too. Cause you know, you have to be a well-rounded person, but, um, what about you? What do you listen to? 
Yeah, no, it's a good question because I think with my podcast listening habits, I, I'm quite cyclical. I'll, I will listen to something quite a lot for a while, but then I will move off in. Yeah, you like binge. Else, so. So you- yeah, at the moment, I am very much addicted to a baseball podcast, actually, uh, Fangraphs Audio. Okay. I don't know if you've come across this, but... No, I listen um, to a different one, but I'll, yeah. I'll check it out. Okay. So so it's, it's hosted by a guy called um, Carson Sistuli, who I think is the managing editor of... Fangraphs. Yeah. That's and, a great name, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Carson no, Sestouli. And he's a great guy as well. Um, but he is, he basically just gets people on nominally to talk about baseball. Yeah. They never talk about baseball. He just literally sits yeah. in a studio chatting to one of his employees and yeah, they occasionally touch on baseball and it's just, it's good fun. So that, that's what I, in terms of football podcasts at the moment, I'm, I've been actually listening to the totally Scottish football show. Yeah. Just trying that one out. I don't, I don't actually listen to the Guardian Football Weekly or the, the totally football show really mainly because i think because of my job i'm doing that sort of stuff all the time yeah. so i'm a little bit sort of done out with that so i, I don't tend to, to listen to that but beyond that what else what else have i been listening to um i listened to uh, one of my friends has made me listen to the cabinet of curiosities uh, aaron Mankey's. never heard of it so basically it's like a 10 minute podcast i do it because i can listen to one on my way to the station and then i can listen to hardcore podcasts yeah <laughs> uh, he's basically quirky and kooky stories that are a little bit esoteric so one yesterday i listened to some guy who just basically got hit by lightning three times and then he died and then his grave was hit by lightning as well just oh my weird God. stories like that i don't always listen to podcasts as much as i i just go through phases so sometimes i listen to podcasts obsessively on the tube then i'll watch netflix obsessively no. on the tube then i'll read a book on kindle obsessively on no. the tube but i never do all three at once and, and i always sort of no. Uh, switch around between them you mentioned your podcast listening habits changed after you started recording them and i think that's quite interesting because i think the same is true for me in fact when i started recording podcasts i didn't really listen to them no. and since then i've started listening to them more but so what what, what effect do you think recording a regular podcast has had on your own listening habits. well you just think i mean just like in any industry you, you kind of take note of the craft and the art of yeah. it and I pay way more attention to like timing and how quickly someone speaks and and then you know normally when I'm in a conversation that kind of falls by the wayside but you know that happens sometimes but yeah you just like notice the craft of it more and uh you appreciate uh, I think I just for me at least I appreciate podcasts more uh now that I've started to do mm-hmm. them uh, because even though they like seem really simple and they are in the most basic form that you know they they do take a bit of uh, graft and, um, you know, deliberation and thought. Right. Before yep. we get into talking about football podcasting in particular, just one more question. And that is, what, what is it that attracts you to the medium? Oh, well, I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, first off is like talking about doing it on the your commute. But yeah, you can like I wash the dishes. I was cleaning earlier today. And of course, I had a podcast on. So just like anytime, you know, when I'm going grocery shopping, throw a podcast on because there's so many different ones out there. They can, you know, fit to your mood, to the time length that you have to do whatever given thing it is. And I guess, I don't know, maybe also that I'm uh, just too old to appreciate modern music, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, so, I mean, I guess, I guess it's part of what you can do during it and, um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much creativity and way more niche things than um, you can do with a television show, for example, because mm. it's not for a massive audience. It's just for a smaller 
more rabid audience. I don't know. What about, what about you? Yeah. I think it's the ability to curate your listening habits to, to exactly what it yeah. is that you want. Like we talked, talked before, I, I listen to a baseball podcast, but I don't like all baseball podcasts. I know which ones I like. So I'll listen mm. to those ones. And there's, I think there's a scope to, like you say, to go niche doesn't cost a lot to to set up a podcast really um despite the fact as you say it is hard work and hard graft to actually get a good podcast it's easy enough that anyone could start a podcast on anything and so i i like the ability to to almost listen into a lot of normal people running running podcasts as well totally Um, yeah and and maybe that's what puts me off maybe the the guardian football weekly and the totally football show a little bit and we can get into this later on but the fact that it is the same people talking about football all the time um mm-hmm. what i quite like about the fact that there are some good i don't know what you would call them almost like punk podcasts on the yeah. side where you can get the, the more sort of radical fanzine side of of discussions as well mm-hmm. and I, we're going to talk about the the anfield rap later but there's there's podcasts like that that have sort of come up out mm-hmm. i guess the football ramble is well the, i mean it's a total classic. meritocracy i think is what you're getting at i mean you don't as if you're good it doesn't matter if there's super high production no, value yeah. or not people will listen to you i mean uh you're talking about like people outside football that talk about it that have an interesting podcast. I don't know if you ever heard of the sound of football. Mm. It's like four guys that are like middle-aged men. They've been doing it for years as well. Yeah. And it's smashing. And none of them are journalists um, in football from what I remember. And yeah, it's great listening to them talk about it. It's actually really refreshing. Uh, I have to like always remember to go back to the, uh, to that. But yeah, it's it's a total meritocracy. If you're good, like people yeah. will listen. And I think that's why it's so weird when you talk about football podcasts, because in the football media world is very much not a meritocracy. It's no. very much who you know networking and 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 there's so few jobs that that there's only very few voices so i think podcasting sort of turns that on its head and i think one one thing we're going to talk about is is the fact that the podcasting wasn't really done very well in the football media until i mean let's get move on to that now because we're going to talk about a little bit about the history of the football podcast and my own my own like personal reading of the history is that the last season beginning of last season was yeah it must be the beginning of last season was what i call the great schism in football podcasting which is when muddy knees media broke away from the guardian football podcast and instead of instead of just having the guardian football weekly they had the totally football show as well now for me that was a seminal moment in in the football podcasting uh, context in the UK. So let's maybe talk about football podcasts before the Great Schism. We'll talk about the Great Schism and then we'll talk about what's happened yeah. after that. So um, what do you know about the, the the football podcasts in Britain before, I guess, the beginning of last season, before the, this schism happened? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend like I was around in, in Britain <laughs> uh, for all these years. I, I only got here last January. But what I do know about the the if you just go on iTunes and if you look at like a lot of shows, a lot of them are all pretty new. I mean, there's a lot of old ones, you know, like, or there's some old ones rather, like the sound of football and the football ramble, which we've mentioned. And there's a couple other ones, but most of the, the shows, if you look are within the last three years, three or four years. And that's actually not down to necessarily, in my opinion, the podcast before that were necessarily um, like crappy or anything, but there wasn't the market, especially in the UK for it at that time. I mean, even now, I think in the UK, um, the, I saw a stat that it's something only like 5 million people listen to a podcast weekly in the UK. So you're, I mean, before two, th- and this is today, I mean, so you're talking about 2014 and before that, most 
there just weren't listeners um, out there for a lot of podcasts, even if they were good. So I don't know what your thoughts are, but I, I think it was just there wasn't really a market for them before 2016, 2015. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I agree with the the, the, the dating of it and the and the, the logic behind it. I don't know why it was the case that there weren't wasn't a market. It's almost one of those things that became self fulfilling when when the word that was always, is always used about podcasts is that they are going to boom at some point. Well, no, I I, I actually I was thinking about it uh, actually today because that question kind of plagued me for a, a day or two, and then I realized what it was. You know, I didn't have my first smartphone until two thousand and ten or maybe two thousand and nine, one of those years, and. <laughs> I think if you ask most people, that was a pretty standard, like maybe 2008. But the first iPhone didn't come out till 2007 or eight, I think. So like, you know, pod, just most people had to listen to. I remember my the first podcasts I listened to were all like on the web. Like it wasn't on an app. I couldn't take it anywhere with me, mm-hmm. which is kind of the power of it. So like for the first three or four years, like there weren't really apps that you can listen to it on. It was all pretty web-based. So I think that's why it didn't really take off or go mainstream is because mm. most people just didn't have smartphones. And even the ones that did didn't have like podcast apps for it. I think what the, the schism that you're talking about is kind of we're getting close to the, the grandpa effect, which is like typically used for technology when grandmas and grandpas yeah. or your parents and like they're like late 50s or whatever start using something that happened with Facebook mm. like – you know, all of a sudden, every all parents are on Facebook. No kids are on Facebook right now. Like, <laughs> so I think that's what kind of happened is like that. You know, we're seeing now the grandpa effect kind of slowly happen with podcasting. Yeah, I think one of the singular most depressing things about my life is that I go on the tube every day, and one of the things that I find totally depressing is that you go on the tube and nearly every middle aged person is playing Candy Crush. So they, I think that's probably a good indication for why why podcasts are on the rise. Do you think that they they are on the rise though? There's no doubt about it. Like I could show you like a million different uh, in terms of advertising, it's gone up uh, exponentially. Podcast people listening per week has gone up like double digits mm. every year in terms of the percentage people listening to them. And uh, I mean, all the advertisers are flocking now towards. Uh, the UK, um, because it, it, they're seeing a clear rise yeah. in podcasts. So, and that's why you, you've kind of saw that schism a bit, because uh, they know. Um, yeah, it's definitely booming. Yeah, so let's talk about that schism, because obviously what happened is uh, Ian McIntosh, who was at the at ESPN, I think, at the time, and then yeah. since, since left that, poached a couple of people from the Guardian Football Weekly, and they set up their own podcast, which is almost indistinguishable from Guardian Football Weekly, yeah. <laughs> apart from... There's, I don't think there's anyone who, is there anyone who appears on both of them or is there some kind of like, I don't think so. Is there some kind of contractual agreement? I'm I, sure there's some sort of, knowing big business, there's definitely a contractual uh, yeah. element to it, but, but uh, presumably Ian McIntosh realized, you know, the Guardian just are not monetizing this well. Yeah. There's, there's a whole host of, of different ways of being able to monetize these things. So he set up Money News Media and then the first show was a totally football show. They've since had, Golazzo, Golazio, I can't remember. They, yeah. they miss Golazzo, yeah. Golazzo. And then they have the Totally League show. Totally League show. And the so totally, they have four now. Totally Scottish football yeah. show, yeah. So I think they've got four. But, and the idea is, is that you can expand that brand yeah. as much as you want. Exactly. I mean, it, it all started in the States. And you, you mentioned the Guardian didn't realize how to monetize it. 
Bill Simmons, uh, who's a famous columnist in the States, uh, he doesn't really write about football at all, but he was with ESPN and he started his own website with them called Grantland. And he kept doing these podcasts and they weren't monetizing it at all. And he was like, what the hell? Like, you know, I, we, like, I know a lot of podcasters who are making millions because by the way, podcasters are making millions, people. Uh, <laughs> he was like, I know other podcasters that are making millions. I should be able to be making millions essentially to do this. And ESPN let him go. Well, there, there's a lot more to that, but, um, <laughs> they let him go and he started this website called The Ringer. And one of their primary ways of making money is through podcasts. They have a podcast network. And that was like his, one of his like keystone revenue piles was podcast. He's like, we're going to, they have like, I think 30 podcasts. Right. So yeah. So like he, and I think Ian McIntosh is essentially just trying to do the same thing because yeah. he sees that it works. Yeah. And the effect I think has been quite remarkable on, on po the podcasting world. I think yeah. suddenly people started sitting up, taking notice and, since then, the independent, for example, started their own podcast. I mean, yeah. they started theirs last season. Yeah, they right around the same time. Yeah, they they did, and uh, there's someone else that totally did as well, and I'm I'm, I'm blinking on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, them and another newspaper, oh, the Telegraph, I think. the Telegraph. Yeah, yeah, there we go. The Telegraph. They also started it last year, a little bit late to the game, but <laughs> even then, it's it's not too late. But yeah, I mean, in I, I think the. Muddy Knees Football Productions. I think like they're like four of the top 15, 20 biggest football shows right now. Right. Yeah. I can believe um, that. I mean, they started that, they started that show and they were hitting two million listens a month, I think, yeah. within the first, within the first month. Yeah. Uh, which is not inconsiderable, I think. Yeah. I think in the first two, well, no, in the first two months, they, in the first eight weeks, I uh, have this, like, from some article, they had yeah, uh, almost six that. million. Six million. So. In, in, two, in eight so weeks. So it's three million. In, in, so, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this is the first two weeks, or eight weeks that they were there. Yeah. yeah so exactly. I can only imagine what it is now. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. But they, they, they noticed that, like, the brand, and th there's a quality that they live up to, and that everyone on that brand will live up to, and that if you don't want to have to think too much, oh, I'd like an Italian show. I listen to the Totally Football show. They do, you know, these guys essentially sanction or, you know, appear on this one too. Let me give that one a whirl. Mm. It's, you know, it's not rocket science. Do you think that the fact that they've professionalized podcasting has any impact on it? Because as we said before, there has always been that sort of punk element to a podcast. You know, the fact that yeah. it's almost like pirate radio, right? You can do it in your garage and, and you, you're sort of, you, it's not that you're anti mainstream, but you, you aren't guided by the same sorts of uh, monetary considerations that the mainstream are guided by. Do you, do you feel as though that, because uh, for me, one of the really interesting things about the football media is that there seems to be that traditionalism that really flies in the face of what podcasts yeah. used to be. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're right, but I, I mean, I think you can have both. I mean, I think, you know, some people will want that professional, crisp sounding hour long, you know, with, Richardson doing that killer intro and like it all being like smooth and whatnot. And then I think other people will be like, yeah, I want to hear, you know, the football ramble where a bunch of guys are just, you know, chatting the shit about football and it, it doesn't sound rehearsed at all. It doesn't even, even though I'm sure they do like yeah, do a lot of like, you know, pre show discussions and whatnot about it. But I mean, I think you have both. I mean, that's the beauty of podcasting. I mm -hmm. think is you're going to have, you're going to get to the point we're already there where you have, Anything that matches your taste is out there. 
We should talk about the football ramble quickly because I think they are the outlier, right? I think in the majority of cases, most big football podcasts almost exclusively are done through mainstream outlets who have big names running them, who have big names appearing on them regularly. I mean, I call it the James Horncastleification yeah. of podcasts, you know, where every football yeah. podcast almost seems to have James Horncastle, which is fine. Yeah. He's, he's a perfectly he's good, he's he's good, good at what he's, 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 yeah, he's a perfectly yeah. good uh, pundit, but... The football ramble flies in the face of that. It's just four guys, and and again, I think they what they did was they were ahead of the curve, right? Yeah, they were, they, they they got onto podcasting. I mean, they were in two thousand seven. They started, right, yeah. so yeah. I mean, they they are a bit of an outlier, but I, I would say the difference is, you know, the professional ones maybe get the the biggest audiences and the biggest accolades, so to speak. But there are plenty of ones that like are making some real hay, so to speak, without. You know, the super, I mean, we'll bring up the Enfield rap, but there's a lot of like team based podcasts that are like really successful. I mentioned the sound of football before by association is another one. I mean, they're Atletico Mints. I mean, that's loosely football, but mm-hmm. like there are a lot of like quite successful ones, I think, but they're just not like mega, you know, blockbuster because people, yeah, are seduced by the easy, you know, big, yeah. big name media. People, I mean, don't, don't you think people just have like, we're in a big cult of character, cult of personality these days. I think it's more of a reflection of society being really interested in stars and big personalities and that just like feeding into that more than anything. I don't, I mean. Well, I think one of the things, again, to, to, to bring back to the British football media context, it feels to me a lot of the time as though we still have a sort of hang up with the way that the media has always been conceived of. And that was always, you had the player, the, the Latin word media means literally yeah. being between things, right? So you have, you have the players on the one hand and then you have the public. And in the past, you needed the media in order to translate inf- information from one to the other. Now that context has changed. Everything's been flattened out. We, but we still have what I think we perceive of as a media. And I think that media considers themselves the true gatekeepers of, of, of what's yeah. going on. And, and I'll agree. I totally agree with you on that. And the, the best example I can give is that if you look at the United States right now, and I, I hate to keep comparing things to the United States, but it's so easy to, for me to see the difference. There aren't a ton of bloggers in the UK that have become mainstream. Whereas if you look in the States, one of the most successful NBA podcasters I mean, he's also a journalist for ESPN now. His, his name is Zach Lowe. He, star- he got his big break at Grantland, which was kind of an offshoot of ESPN, essentially like, and then, but he started before that. Mm. He was a journalist and I know he did some blogging on the side. If you look at Nate Duncan, he was like a pretty prominent NBA writer. He had it, his own blog. Cleaning the Glass is another blog that was started by Philadelphia 76ers front office person who just went to go writing on the side or after he was finished. That's really big now. That's mainstream. You just don't have bloggers here anymore. Um, that are really big personalities that they don't go from a huge blog presence to writing for the independent or the guardian. I mean, it, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing someone. Um, I, think, I think in the early days there was that possibility that that could happen. Yeah. I think. I mean, I mean, Jack Pitbrook was a blogger yeah. who went into. He was basically headhunted. As okay, yeah. So he's at the, Michael I mean, Cox yeah. as well started. Yeah, zonal marking, and then That's he true. he had his. But again, his 
his column at the Guardian originally was sort of a blog post just yeah. put into a newspaper, and and so he still felt very much like a blog. But there's very very few people who go in uh, going that way. But to to bring that back to podcasting, I, I think it feels to me as well as though there's maybe maybe I just don't have as much exposure to to American context, but it feels as though you're much more likely to be able to become a big name podcasting having not really had a huge amount of uh, media exposure or experience than you are in this country. I, I think yeah. the, well, all of the podcasts that I can think of bar the football ramble, which again, like they got in so early that it feels as though they became, they became football journalists roughly yeah. in like scare quotes. Just well, they're part that. of the elite, I think is what you're talking about, yeah, or yeah. they're already part of the elite because they got in so early. Uh, I mean, it just goes to the point here. I think it just goes to, the fact that newspapers here are still like so highly regarded or yeah. so highly consumed. I mean, if you go to the United States, like no one reads newspapers for sports yeah. coverage. Yeah. I mean, not like, no, like the New York times, no one reads the New York times for sports coverage. Like there are plenty of good writers for the sports team at, um, you know, the New York times, uh, but no one reads any of the newspapers for sports yeah. coverage in the States. I, where, I think we were talking yeah. before we came on about, we were talking about broadcasting, but yeah. I th- one of the things we pointed out was that that you have local broadcasters in the, in the US, and I think maybe the reason why the these two media contexts are so different is because the US is such a big market yeah. that it has to necessarily break down into smaller units. Whereas I think in the UK, because everyone sees the UK football market as being the UK football market, you don't have that breakdown quite so much. Mm. So, so the elite in the UK are national elite whereas in yeah. the US you could be a big name like you said you could be a big name in in the New York Times but then that doesn't mean to say everyone in the country will, will no, no necessarily one, yeah. know who you are right no no one except in New York will yeah. know who you are if anyone in New York i mean for the most part um but like i, I yeah i think uh i mean i'm sure you're going to talk about this on the football media series that you're doing more like newspapers and how that affects i mean it you know you could talk about that it's for hours it's fascinating um, isn't it it really but, is yeah i mean, I mean I, no I, one talks about it that's yeah. again this is partly why i've i've been running well, this podcast is because no one really thinks about the impact yeah. of like even things like that simple the us being huge yeah. and therefore necessarily breaking down into smaller sections and then the impact that has on the media but yeah but you'll i mean you'll see a lot more changes i think as you see changes in other countries i mean you know people take notice i mean the athletic i think in the united states for people that don't know here is a total game changer yeah and i i think you'll probably talk about that at some other point so we don't have to yeah. go too far in, <laughs> uh, into the weeds on the athletic but that that's a major yeah. uh, game changer. I mean, for the for the for the listeners, the the Athletic is a new sports website. That's well, it's fairly new, but yeah, um, that's operating with a subscription model, and it's probably one of the first major sites to do that. Yeah. I am actually in 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 a few weeks' time. I am speaking to one of the founders of the Two Point One, which is a Scottish football website, which is operating on a subscription model as well. So hopefully, we'll get the chance yeah. to talk. Well, while we're talking about subscriptions, the Anfield Wrap. This seems yeah, like the most to, pertinent yeah, time. Let's talk about that. Yeah, tell us about the Anfield Wrap. <laughs> well, I mean, I think most people probably listening to this know of the Enfield Wrap, but if you don't, the Enfield Wrap started in, uh, I want to say 2011 or maybe 2012. And they just started out doing podcasts just like everyone else or like most people. And then they were doing a lot of really good ones and people loved them. And they decided to make it subscription based three years later. I want to say 2014. 
And so I think it's like five pounds a month and you get, um, I mean, they do a whole host host of like digital media content. It's not just, um, podcasts, but it's mostly based off their podcasts. And now they have, I don't know how many, uh, staffers, but I know it's at least like six or seven. Um, so they've really made it its own little like company with employees and everything. I mean, they have their own studio and, uh, it's, I mean, it, I think it's, even though no one's really replicated it yet, I think it's only a matter of time before either competitors of like, you know, the two Chelsea podcasts aside, like, <laughs> let's just combine it and make a business out of it. I, I mean, I think it's yeah. just a matter of time, but it, it was really revolutionary. I mean, it still is uh, to do that. Yeah. And I think that's the way that podcasting has to go. And the reason why I think that is that ad revenue is failing. Ad revenue does not work for for anyone really apart from these blockbuster yeah. shows that you were talking the about ones, before yeah. um so if you're getting millions and millions of listeners a week which presumably the totally football series of no. podcasts get then you'll make money but for example i've been running the team of john o'shea's platform for three years now mm. we've got pushing two hundred thousand listens total for, for that oh, wow. we've, we've been on and off that's really good um, though yeah. Uh, overall, but in terms of ad revenues, which we haven't run for the whole time we've been on Audio Boom, uh, and that is just our time on Audio Boom. We, do, we did have a few before that, but during that time, I think I've made, well, I, I got the readout from, from Audio Boom before for probably about a hundred thousand listens, which is how long we were putting pre and post roll ads yeah. on. Uh, we got 40 pounds worth of ad revenue for that. So that's like, that accumulates to probably yeah. a full time job for a year for me if you squash down all of that. Yeah. So, so the long and short of this is don't take up podcasting if you want to make any money unless you are James Horncastle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it, it is interesting. Well, I mean, you're talking about like revenue. So the typical US dollars. So I can, I'll try to change it for British pounds. For like a, every 1000 listens, your CPM, I think it is, is if you read out like a 60 second ad is supposed to be about 25 US dollars. So we're, you're talking about essentially 20 pounds. For the listener, obviously when you get a pre and post roll ad on, on something like Audio Boom, you get much less than that. So that's, um, yeah, but that's slightly different. I mean, that's if you go directly to. Yeah. So the, you're, you're basically, you're basically saying we will do a readout, uh, yeah. a read through and, and you're then, you yeah. you will then I, I guess bargain towards a price yeah. that you will you will get per thousand yeah. listens. The thing is with the pre and post roll ads on on some like the automatic ones that you get on a lot of podcast yeah. hosts is not always do they come up and also not always that they listen to. So a lot of people will stop listening by the end by before the end of the podcast. So you have no guarantee how many that your listens will necessarily translate yeah. into into revenue listens. Yeah. But the, the long and short of what our conversation is saying is that unless you are getting mammoth amounts of listens, you're not making money. Yeah. And so that's why I think subscription models or Patreon is going to be the way that people will go. Well, Patreon is already is the way. I mean, you see a lot. I mean, the the Spanish football podcast uh, does that. I know Graham Hunter does that. Um, I mean, I think that's a pretty standard, uh, mm. going to be a very standard way in the future. And I mean, and those shows only do succeed with that because you have to have a lot of committed or mm. diehard fans. You, Cult fans, yeah. Um, you know, you could have 5,000, you know, people listen to every episode, but you know, how many of those would actually pay? Yeah. Um, but it, it's definitely interesting. And I think you'll see even that change a lot. I mean, with live shows becoming more popular and, uh, have you been to a live show podcast? I've, like live? I've been to the taping? Richard Herring show. 
Ah, who's uh, that? Which is a comedy show. Okay. So it was Richard Herring. He sort of interviews That's kind of a different, comedian. Though. And um, he was interviewing Al Murray, the, yeah. the pub landlord comedian. That was, it was interesting. It was just him and his mate basically having a chat. And that goes out, yeah, that, that goes out live. So, in fact, I am actually doing a, a live podcast in a oh. few weeks' time. I'm, as part of my secret life as a baseball lover, I run a, a podcast which is a bit irreverent um, pod, podcast where me and another guy, we don't know a huge amount about baseball really. Uh, we don't have all of that background in football that we have. Mm. And so it's just an excuse for the two of us to talk about the things in baseball that we don't really understand and we find funny. Mm. Um, but they, there's a there's an MLB UK meetup in London Bridge and, and they want us to do Oz and another British British podcast, uh, British baseball podcast called Bat Flips and Nerds. They want us to sort of do a joint show. So well, that's brilliant. Yeah, it will be interesting. I think to say the least. Not least because Bat Flips and Nerds is a is a proper podcast with people who know what they're talking about, and we very much aren't. And so mm-hmm. I'm not sure how the crossover is gonna is gonna work. Really, I'm sure it's gonna actually go fabulously because of just <laughs> that. Although you should name your podcast uh, "Me and Another Guy Talk Baseball." Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked about the the Anfield Rap as a subscription yeah. model. Obviously, the Anfield rap is is also a fan based podcast yeah. in, in insofar as it is run by fans of Liverpool Football Club for fans of Liverpool Football Club to what extent do you think that that relationship between like we said the big the big players are obviously all on the one hand they're, they're sort of replacement for radio almost podcasts like the Totally Football Show and the Guardian Football Weekly and then on the other hand, the big players are, they seem to be more fan generated, uh, medias. How do you think that that relationship between, on the one hand, no bias, you would say, like, you wouldn't know who, for example, James Horncastle supported. Yeah. Uh, whereas obviously on the Anfield rap, you're getting people who are Liverpool yeah. supporters. Yeah. That's and you want that. If it's, if that's your club, like you want to hear that. You don't want to hear, I mean, if you want to hear some like unbiased person talk about Liverpool, there's that. A, you know, podcast over there that you can listen to, but you want to hear someone like get really lively and animated. And that's part of the fun of listening to one of those um, podcasts. And, uh, you know, those are, you know, some of the most successful ones going right now because the niche, the niche is so obvious. It's so glaring. It's, you know, there's not much to like explain. It's like, if you like Liverpool, listen to Liverpool. If you like Millwall's like I'm sure there's a Millwall podcast and you know, you get to kind of share in that excitement, especially if th- this day and age, um, people move around a lot. You know, if you are from Burnley, you love Burnley, you move down to London because there's not many jobs in Burnley, but you still want to feel a little close to home. You fire up your Burnley podcast and you have a couple, uh, you know, guys that are from the same area you from talking about your team. That's, I mean, that's what it's all about. I think, I mean, that's yeah. what I think is pretty cool about it. Last summer, I well, the summer before the World Cup summer, I, I ran a series just called The Summer Break where I interviewed basically podcast hosts from podcasts for the clubs in the Premier League. One of the things I found is that the, some of the best podcasts are done by some of the smaller clubs. So yeah. I know the, the Watford podcast from the Rookery End, I think it's called, and then there's a Burnley podcast as well, which is very like, very professional, run by, run by a group of people who it, it's, it's essentially just a radio show. Um, yeah. Uh, that's called No Nay Never, and and yeah, yeah just incredible that you that, that you get these. Is that what is that what Dave Thomas is? Does he do a podcast? Okay. I have no idea. No, never mind. Because I won't even go into uh, what. It, there's a, a Burnley historian who wrote a book called No Nay Never. Ah, uh, right. And so I think I it thought, must be a song. Is no, it a song? it's part of their history, right, but yeah. I wasn't sure. I, I don't know if he's chance. on it. He may yeah. well be on it. But there's a lot of people on it. But yeah, for me, that's fascinating. The question I would ask you is. 
do you think that that's going to change the way that the media looks that given the fact that I think, and especially in the British football media, there's this, there's been always been this sort of assumption that you have to be neutral. Now that there's, there's coming in this, that one, the ability to, to run these, these biased podcasts as it were. Um, but also, I guess, social media, and you always see you always see the the big players in the football media complaining about the fact that they can't say anything about any club because they get called out for bias. So, to what effect do you think that do you think that will have a a, a good effect, or do you think it will have any effect at all on the on the mainstream? I don't think it'll have too much. I mean, these a lot of these podcasts have already been around for a while. You know, I, I think this will just be kind of your like refuge, and I mean, it'll just serve the what blogs used to, but just for your ears. I don't think it'll have a, a massive impact. I, I mean, I might be misreading it totally, but I don't, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think there's going to be a watershed point in the British football media. And and I, I, I only say that because that's the, the part of the media that I kind of know where there's going to be a realization that unless you can switch to a subscription model, then it will die in some way. And I think everyone knows that's going to happen, that there will be, there'll be a period where it's going to be hard to get good content because no one can afford to, to, to do it. And then people will realize, oh, actually, the only way we're going to get good content is by, is by spending money. And I think when that happens, I think a lot of things could change. But given that you've got something like the Anfield wrap, which is already ahead of the curve on the subscription model side of things, I think there, there could be a, a big shift in what we consider to be the football media. I, I think that you, you will lose the, the mainstream will become a lot more murky. Um, there won't be so many clear outlets at, at first, and there will be some big places that spring up in, in, in place of the traditional mainstream yeah. um, routes. I so. actually, I actually kind of see where you're coming from because, I, yeah, I could imagine like people on TV kind of not having the freedom to express themselves. For example, like on Monday Night Football, I can't imagine Gary Neville necessarily... I mean, actually, he's pretty straight, <laughs> straight shooter. But on Match of the Day, someone really like leaning into his view or her her view on, on the team or a player or whatnot. But I could see them on a podcast doing it because it, it goes with the medium where you get everything in context. I mean, you can take it out of context, but it really lends itself to a contextual conversation. It's long form. Yeah, it's long form, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I could see media members having kind of split personalities almost. I hate to keep going back to the United States, but you see guys on shows in the States on podcasts that will say a bit more than they will do. And even famously, one guy recently, Brian Winhorst, said on a podcast, he was like, yeah, I couldn't really say it in full on TV. I didn't have the proper time to like really go into yeah. it and explain in full depth. So I'm doing it on this podcast, essentially. Yeah. And so uh, I think you'll see that more. I think that's an interesting, and this is a bit, a bit of a sideways step, but there is an interesting distinction between the sorts of pundits who will do podcasts and the sorts of pundits who will do TV. No, they're think, all going to do them in the future. You think there's just going to be? There's no doubt. Yeah. Because at the moment, if you, if you are on Sky TV and you're a pundit, you're basically an ex-footballer or a host. Yeah. And you get about five minutes to talk about a penalty decision. They Obviously, don't want football, that either. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, sure. So you think that sort of, that sort of thing will change and, and move on? No doubt in my mind. They're yeah. like, I mean, of all the things that I feel pretty confident about is those guys, those pundits, they will all have, or not all, but, a lot of them will have podcasts right. um, of their own. And, th you know, these guys don't want to do like, here, you have one minute, talk about this. Yeah. And then we'll come back to you in five minutes. Yeah. They don't want that. That's not fun. It's only the only reason they're not on podcasts more is they're not as popular yet. 
Yeah. Uh, and the money's not there, but it will be. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, as we talked about, a number of statistics that show it with the ad revenue going up. And I'm actually not as convinced everything's going to go uh, subscription-based because all the ad revenue is going up. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll all be on podcasts. I mean, if you look at that, and this is something I want to bring up anyway, in the States, there are a significant amount of athletes that have podcasts. Um, in fact, one of the you know biggest podcast moments this year happened two weeks ago. CJ McCollum has this, he's a basketball player. He's probably about like the 25th best basketball player. He has this podcast called The Pull Up. He had Kevin Durant on, probably a second, third best basketball player in the world. Then CJ McCollum said something about Kevin Durant after like two weeks, you know, two days later, a week later or something. And then, you know, Kevin Durant got pissed or whatever. But anyway, they were on, you know, you had these two athletes on a podcast talking. JJ Redick, another basketball player, has his own podcast. There are baseball players. The Players Tribune has some stuff. Like, you're, it's just, that's what's going to happen in the future. And you even see, uh, uh, Asmir Begovic, for people that don't know, he has a podcast. It will come. Like, yeah. all these pundits are going to be. I guess a lot of them podcasts. are on the radio for this sort of yeah. thing. And as we, as we, I think probably both going to agree the radio will suffer for, for oh, the existence hugely. of podcasts. It so. already has. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, I think the reason you see them more on radio is because they don't have to, like... Yeah, it's no effort, isn't it? It's, just yeah, and exactly. Like, oh, here, go on the Alan Brazil show for, like, 30 minutes and just... He'll set you up with everything. Mm. You know, a podcast is a little bit more difficult, but as they get... All right, here's my prediction. So as more players get interviewed for podcasts... And there are a lot more podcasts interviewing players, including mine. But they will be like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Wait, all I have to do is talk into this. And wait, I can just hire like literally one producer, two producers max. And we can just do this once a week. And it can be actually really successful. And I can get my thoughts out. In a, and I can get anyone on because I'm yeah, a famous player. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, I can own this shit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... You'll see it way more common in the future. Um, I think where we should go from here is we've talked about players and, and personalities having podcasts, but what we're seeing is also journalists having their own podcasts. And I think particularly, I think for me, the again, the watershed moment here was, was Michael Cox releasing the mixer and then having a parallel podcast that went out with that. And then obviously Jonathan Wilson is doing the same with his book, The Barcelona Legacy at the moment. Do you think that's going to be the way that that a lot of the media goes as well. I mean, do you even need to have mainstream outlets if, as a journalist like Jonathan Wilson, you could just, if he wanted, start his own podcast tomorrow and, and have probably millions of listeners within a few months as well? Um, I'm not as convinced that's going to be the way forward for just a couple of reasons. One, I mean, normally these things take uh, a little bit of time of word of mouth. Even the famous journalists like... To them getting, you know, their podcast heard by a lot of people. Biggest form of advertising right now is word of mouth for podcasting. That takes time. So those podcasts that are promoting a book, you know, the Barcelona Way and, you know, Jonathan Wilson's, I'm not like, I, I'm sure that'll keep happening, but I don't think like all of a sudden they're going to be big shows or anything if they're just one off like six episode seasons and then they're done. I mean, if he continued it, I could see something bigger. I just, I, I don't know, like, usually you need a full story in like six episodes. And honestly, 
sports of something that already happened isn't, you know, you see most of those like one-off series and podcasts usually are like crime series or there's a beginning and an end that you're, you don't know what's going to happen. But with those books, like, you know, what's going to happen. It's not like I'm going to find out at the Barcelona way what happens in 2020, you know? Uh, I don't, I mean, but I like, we can debate this. So, you (laughs) know, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm thinking we have a podcast that we haven't mentioned is the set piece menu, which is Rory Smith's podcast, which is run with him and Steve Wyeth and Hugh Ferris and Andy Hinchcliffe, obviously. Now that is an interesting phenomenon because you've got Rory Smith, who is the football writer for the New York Times, Andy Hinchcliffe, who's obviously an ex-footballer and a pundit for Sky Sports, I think. Yeah. Steve Wyeth is a commentator for BT, and Hugh Ferris is. I does he do BBC? Does he work with the BBC? Yeah, I don't. Host I don't or remember. Presenter yeah. or something. So you've literally got four, the four facets of pretty much football media yeah. encompassing one podcast, and they're doing it off their own bat. I'm pretty sure they're probably, they may have got someone, they may pay, they probably play for a producer. But it, as far as I can tell, they, that what they've done is they've, they've run a sort of common and garden podcast themselves. Yeah. And presumably they have a fairly decent listenership. Yeah. I wouldn't have any idea what sort of numbers they're yeah. pulling. Do you think that's going to, do you think that's a rarity? You don't, you don't think well, that's Well, I don't, I mean, I think that's very different than what we were talking about yeah, with Jonathan sure. Wilson. But uh, in terms of the fact that Jonathan Wilson could, if he wanted to start a podcast yeah. like that yeah. and presumably would get, Millions of listens yeah. because I mean, it's Jonathan you, Wilson. Yeah. I mean, do you want to hear something more, I think a little bit more out there, but I think it's going to happen. Like post game radio, post game TV shows are going to start dying. You, you know, most, so the biggest reason why they succeed now is people don't want, don't have this funds for a studio, but you need a well lit room. Like look at the ringer in the States to go back to them. I mentioned them earlier. They, one of their most uh, popular things now is they do, they have like a, a small studio. I mean, it's not that small, but it's a normal size studio. They do all their podcasts there. Then they've been recording after like a big night of basketball. They'll just have four of their writers sit around and talk about what just happened. It'll go off as a podcast overnight. So when you, in the what next morning, mean? when I go to work, I can listen to it. Fantastic. And then they also put up a video of it on Periscope and have you know immediately or close to immediately and boom and i mean that thing gets like usually like a, at least a hundred thousand granted it's in the united states but a hundred thousand uh viewers at least at least when it started i don't know what it is now but like i think and you can do the same thing with a podcast i could record a podcast with you 30 minutes after a leads game or literally right after record it and upload it 10 minutes later and boom i have you don't have to listen to some guy on uh talksport who watched the game and he talks about it for you know a, a minute you can get the full thing and wait 30 minutes and you'll have it mm. so i think that and the anfield rap does that they do a post-game show um that's really popular so i, I think that's actually the more outlandish thing that i, I see in the future i don't so, remember what your first question to me was honestly <laughs> yeah um, i don't either but presumably then this will impact on the mainstream outlets because they'll have to start doing things like this as well, right? Well, the mainstream, everything right now is trying to get to the fact with, wait, everyone can produce something at home more easily than they used to. I have a phone that does like almost cinema quality shooting if I do the lighting right. 
That's ridiculous. Yeah. So a- anyone can, or a lot of people, I mean, you see with the Redman TV and Arsenal TV, or they, I think they changed Arsenal TV's name now, but you know, all of these places have, can do really good content, you know, with new technology <laughs> podcasts and, you know, journalists are just going to take that to their own hands in the future and just be like, why do I, I mean, I might need the sky to sign with sky to, for them to help me get big. Once I'm big, what, what do I need them for? I, I can just do this my own. Um, I don't, I don't like, what do I need them for anyway? I have my audience now. So I think, I think to go all the way back to your point about Jonathan Wilson and those guys uh, at the set piece menu, I think you're totally right in that regard that journalists will just like put out a podcast if they want. Yeah. So I guess again, it, it all seems to be contributing to this idea that we talked about or at least touched on throughout the podcast that there's been a flattening out of the media. There is no longer the players out there and we need the media to act as the gatekeepers or the, mm-hmm. the prophets of these, of these mystical sports athletes out there. We don't have as much access in football, I guess. Um, so there's that, there's that going for them. But at the same time, I don't think there's quite the same expectation that you need to have that sort of access because we have so much, at least to the, the, the sort of peripheral things in, in a, in a sports person's life. We can watch their games. We can see the goals coming into our social media feeds as soon as possible. As soon as news comes out, we know it now. It's not, it's not as if we're going to the, Dude, yeah. the, the, the times of London and, and reading the match report in order to know what happened in the game. So there's a sense in which I think the media as in the mainstreams, the traditional mainstream sense is becoming redundant. So I'm seeing this, the sort of idea that, that podcasting is going to be, it's going to be ease of access. It's going to be, um, whatever it, whatever niche, uh, desire you have for your listening habits, they will be ac- accounted for, uh, and you won't have to necessarily wait for for the the mouthpieces of these various media to speak speak for you. So, um, in terms of the the, the future of podcasting, what, let, let's close with this. How how do you see? It? We've talked a lot about like small small uh, impacts that the the future will have. What about the big picture? What's what's it going to look like? Um, all right. Well, there's so many places I could start with, but I, I think the first place, um, you know, we talked about how it's growing double digits percentage wise per year. Just the podcast industry as a whole, whether you're talking about ad revenue or, I mean, just as an example, I think I don't know if I used the number before, but last year there was 220 million pounds worth of ad revenue bought on podcasts. Now that includes, that's the US market, not the British market, but I mean, it's get, it's getting to be big business. Um, and that's only going to become more prevalent as audio speakers or smart speakers rather like Amazon's Alexa and Google's coming out with one. Once that gets really popular, that is only going to make podcasts more popular. Same when cars, like when cars are essentially smart cars and have one of those smart speakers in there. And you can just so you'll say, do well, that. Give me a, give me something about my football team. And yeah. I'll or just, just be like, Oh, like give me, you know, a podcast, give me the, this Spanish football podcast. And then the car will just spout it out. So that's going to, that's like a major, major breakthrough is when that technology becomes, cause I, I think at the moment only like 16% or I think it's 18% of Americans own a smart speaker. I couldn't find the number for uh, the UK, but that's a tiny amount. As that goes up to like 50%, you're just going to see more people. I mean, it's on Spotify now. It's on Google Play. Like it's just going to be so much easier to get podcasts. 
and your pe- grandpa's going to know about. We talked about the yeah. grandpa effect. So like just by that nature, podcasts are just going to get exponentially bigger. And with that will come all of these things. And I think just in general, it's like the Netflix effect as well. People want everything on demand, like that moment. I don't want to like wait. So I think it's just going to become a lot more popular. We ended up talking about like, a lot of players, a lot of coaches. Everyone's going to want to jump in to this little audio revolution because uh, I think it is a little revolution that we're having. So I, I think everyone's just going to want to do it and get in. And so I, you already beat the beat the rush, you know, getting in three years ago. But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'll think of something when you start talking. But yeah, what, what about you? I largely agree with you on the particulars. I, I guess I got into podcasting because I thought, you know, this is a this is a way for the media to be more egalitarian. This is the way for, for the people at the bottom to sort of have a chance to have their voices heard. But I think the more we've had this conversation, the more I think that the more profitable that podcasting becomes, the quicker it will be commandeered by, again, the mainstream outlets or the outlets that have money or the people who can use it for, for money. And it will, it will simply, what we'll see is right in, in the same way that Netflix has sort of adopted that space for, for broadcast viewing. Podcasts will adopt, will quickly adopt that space for broadcast listening. Radio will, will almost certainly die or will just become, will just become, like you say, smart speakers where you say, I want to listen to this, this podcast. And what you're basically doing there is saying, this is a program I like. Yeah. Or music. I mean, I think radio still exists for music because people don't like to have to think sometimes. They just Mm. want someone else to, to choose for it. Um, but actually the, uh, can I say something I hope happens with, uh, uh, football podcast or podcast in general, but I hope that these major magazines and these major newspapers realize how cheap podcasts are and kind of go be creative with it. Um, and really tell some new stories just to, and you know, the BBC, it's not like they haven't, and radio shows haven't done this before. Like if I was running the independent right now today, I would send James Montague a recorder and a couple mics, and I would say, here's a ticket to Nigeria, and tell me four different stories on football in Nigeria right now. Here's here's 20,000. We'll do that with four different writers or three different writers, and boom, you have a podcast season, then you'll bring it back the year after. And for you know $40,000, $50,000, you've got an insanely good podcast series and you're giving total freedom to you know excellent journalists i mean so i i hope that's what it's like in the future where people like can really get creative with it because that's the beauty of podcasting is you can be as creative as you want with it and i hope some of these major magazines and newspapers kind of see that uh, it's something that baffles my mind it feels as though considering there is such a scope for creativity with podcasts there's so little creativity and British football podcasts, I think, in, in the sense yeah. that, you know, we're, I'm doing my podcasts in my spare time. I run a, a baseball podcast, which is two guys talk about baseball, not knowing anything about baseball. Yeah. Nothing for football that I've come across really exists for that kind of thing. And nothing for baseball. And it was just something that I had a conversation with a friend about and we ended up doing it. Same with, but our original, our original podcast was, well, we've got to have a niche. And, and yeah. that niche was, we'll answer the questions that no one's asking. Yeah. We won't just come in and say, yeah. right, who played football this week? Let's talk about this. In fact, we, we, we ask silly yeah. questions and then use that as a, uh-huh. as a context. This football podcast, this football media podcast, no one's doing anything like this as far as I'm aware yeah. in this context. Why, why, are the, why is there that lack of creativity yeah. in the, in this field? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, these big media companies just 
still just don't really know how to harness all of the the revenue that is there to be had or that's probably poor english but that there's there's revenue there they just don't know really know how to to get to use it or to get it and so they haven't really played around with it more because everything is driven by money mm-hmm. and I, I bet you my bet is in three years time i bet you real sports has like seven podcasts or you know one for every sport if not more because I, like your company is is the future like websites like that you you're going to be looking for any edge you can and you're like let's give a podcast a shot that's different that none of the me- major media you know people are doing you'll you know give them a shot It'll work out quite well, and uh, then they'll probably get poached by big media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, we could talk about this. We could talk yeah. about this forever. We need to bring this to a close. So, thank you very much, Josh Schneider. Let me get this right, Schneider Weiler. Yeah, not you're Weiler. not the first person to have that Schneider problem. Weiler. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for having me on the show, John. How can people follow you? How can people listen to your podcast? Uh, well, you can listen to my podcast, This Football Life, where I interview players, coaches, but also agents, scouts, all those cool, interesting people that make up the world of football. And so you can just find that on any place you get podcasts, really. iTunes, but you know, really pretty much anywhere. Stitcher and all those. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Schneiderweiler, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R-W-E-I-L-E-R. And you, I'm, you've only recently changed. Like, yeah, I was like, football autobio for a while, but I just, I thought my name would be like too difficult, but I was just like, let me, let me go for my, my <laughs> full name. No one has the last name Schneider Weiler, so I might as well, you know, ruin it on Twitter for whoever wants to do it. <laughs> and is next. there anything in particular that you're excited about that you're producing at the moment? Is there anything oh, yes. that we should keep an eye out for? Yeah, I mean, I'm interviewing Michael Calvin, who's written so many great books, but Ocean Roberts, who is like the technical director of Wales, and he he teaches all of the UEFA Pro License courses in Wales, for which is the highest level of coaching badges you can get in Europe. And he's like coached Thierry Henry on them, like Sol Campbell, and I mean, a lot of famous players, but also a lot of famous coaches that have been getting their coaching licenses. And those are the type of people I'm always interested to talk to. Like no one ever taught, well, not no one, but it's rare that you hear some guy who's literally coaching the future world-class coaches of tomorrow talk about it. So things like that are really what's uh, thrilling to me. So that's just one example. But I'm really uh, looking forward to listening to the rest of this series. I really enjoyed the last episode on broadcasting and uh, I'm excited to see what uh, comes of it. It's very nice of you to say. So that is your podcast, This Football Life. Yeah, um, This Football Life. Josh, thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure being the guest. Thanks for listening to the Football Media Podcast with me, John McKenzie. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or follow us on Twitter at T-O-J-O-S underscore. You can tune in next week to hear Dr. Dan Parnell talk to us about academia, the football media and the place of sporting directors in football. But until then, have a good week. Goodbye. Thank you.